Now that we've seen Elvis and felt his presence, let's honor him by doing something he really loved to do. Eat dinner. Now I'm going to do something that Al Bundy loves to do. Oh, uh, I'll let you know if I conjure up any superstars. Let's rock. I get a open. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Elvis Presley. And, uh, here I am. I'm the host of this uh, special broadcast of the Mario Children Podcast. Uh, I got a bucket of fried chicken next to me. And we're in the nudie bar. Couple girls here. None of them are 14, but I'm still looking. And I might marry a couple. Uh, we wanted to do the show from Graceland, but these guys... Couldn't do it, and guess what? Justin's not on the show either. Much like me, he faked his death. So here I am, Elvis Presley. I am alive, and I'm well. So Peggy did see me in the mall that day. That really was me. It's time for the show, guys. So, introducing the man who sweated Elvis, me, is your host, Al. Hey, hey guys, what's up? Thanks for that great intro, Elvis. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming back from the dead for us. No problem, fellas. Anything for you guys, and uh, you heard him. The man whose appendix bursts, and he's a killer of dreams, Jerry. You know what? I actually did have appendicitis, and I do have my appendix removed. I know what I'm talking about, boy. (laughs) I was just trying to figure out how you knew that. Uh, The same way I faked my death for 50 years. You're one talented man. Kind of. Yeah, I don't think that's that hard, Elvis. Let's see you try someday. Okay. Uh, so we're going to review Going to Sweatland at... Whoa, whoa, hold on, fellas. Now, uh, you're going to be talking about my episode. You're going to be talking about me a lot, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, sure, I think we are. All right. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel. Wow, that's that's really witty. How'd you come up with that one? Watch it, boy. Okay. Well, guys, yeah, you heard Elvis. We are recording Season 3, Episode 2, Married with Children's I'm Going to Sweatland. This aired on November 20th, 1988. Uh, wow. So this is a huge episode, and here's uh, the plot. When a perspiring stain on one of Al's shirts resembles a silhouette of the king of rock and roll, the Bundy household becomes a hotspot for Elvis Presley fanatics to visit. This episode was directed by Jerry Cohen, and it was written by Pamela Wick and Susan Cridland Wick. Uh, I guess a mother and daughter writing team. (laughs) 
So that's pretty cool. I wonder if – see, I really do like this episode. I wonder if they were just uh, Elvis experts or something or whatever. But, like, I wonder why that mother-daughter team had to be brought in. But uh, I also wonder if they wrote a lot more episodes. So we'll have to find that out. They don't fit. And your ad said we fit every foot. Yes, ma'am, but our problem is what we're dealing with is not what Webster meant by feet. Uh, let's face it, girls, what we've got here are rib roasts with nails. Now, what I would suggest is surrounding your tootsies with those little brown potatoes wrapped in foil and served with dry wine. The way Webster defines feet, I actually, just for the fun of it, went on Webster uh, something, I forget what it says, but Webster something.com, and I typed in feet so I can get the actual definition of feet to see what Webster defined feet as. And do you know that nothing comes up? Just synonyms and foot, and that's it? Really? Yeah. That's, that's, I, what, hold up, did you do something wrong? I wondered that, but by the time I had time to wonder, it was almost time for us to drive over to the nudie bar, so I had to leave the house. Oh, well, uh, hold on, I have to look now. Yeah, well, while you're looking, now, one of you, uh, you, when we were arguing about whether or not Peg throws it in Al's face that she wastes his money... This is like the one we said that you were wrong because she always tries to hide the idea that she's buying things here and there. But it turns out you became right because in the beginning of this episode, when she walks in the shoe store with Alejandro, she's gloating about spending every dime or every dollar he had on crap in the mall. Now, why would she just be so obnoxiously blatant about it? My question is, is why is she shopping at that mall? Yeah, what about the Lakeside Mall? Yeah, what happened to it? Are they banned? I mean, I need to know. Also, when you uh, go on MarionWebster.com to look up feet, right? all you get is that it's the plural of foot, and you have to click foot and go to the definition of foot. Oh, that's what I didn't do. Yeah. Okay, so what is what is the definition of feet? One, the terminal part of the vertebrae, leg upon which an individual individual stands to an invertebrate organ of locomotion or attachment especially a ventral muscle surface or process of a mollusk a mollusk that's what her feet are mollusk <laughs> and then there's like the end that is lower or opposite the head oh my god so it's not a rib roast with nails I'm not seeing anything that talks about a rib roast. <laughs> Nothing. Not a single thing. All right. Oh, over here, dear. Just put them anywhere. <laughs> now I need a little tip for Alejandro. Sure. Don't touch my wife. <laughs> Kmart. Tomorrow, tennis. <laughs> it's weird. Alejandro, this... I, think, I guess he's like a Mexican kid or something. He... He is just help peg shop like he carries her bags around. So is this where do you hire? He just works off of tips. It, it reminded me of uh, an episode of that 70s show where Kelso and Fez go to the supermarket to try to pick up cougars. <laughs> hey, that's what I kept thinking. I was like, maybe he's trying to 
get himself some cougar? Because, yeah, I think when you're that young, you kind of will almost go for anything as long as it's half decent. And, uh, I mean, I thought Peggy, she looks better in the later end of the episode, but she was looking pretty good this episode. Yeah, she she starts to look good around here, and then it gets better. Um, And it's funny, you asked about why is she shopping in that mall instead of Lakeside? Why is she shopping in Kmart tomorrow? Uh, well, Kmart was still a thing in the eighties. Oh, it was like a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it was still it, it was no Walmart, but it was still like it's not like nowadays when we talk about Kmart and we mean it as like a generic version of something, right? Like I use that joke all the time where I'm like, oh, that's a that's a Kmart version of Married with Children. Yeah, or like, where'd you get that shirt, Kmart? Like it's it's a put down now. Yeah, I mean, as like a generic version of something, almost like a step up from bootleg. Okay, so it's I think it's odd or interesting that they chose to name this kid Alejandro. Number one, that's my name in Spanish, and two, it's it's Al. So both these people in the store with Peg are named Al. So that's that's kind of weird, and then. I it, thought the Spanish version of Al was, was Ali Handjob. <laughs> no. No, uh, your wife told me wrong. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me wonder now, does anybody know Al's full name? Is it the same as mine, Alexander? Is it Albert? Is it Aloysius? <laughs> does anyone get named just Al? Like, are there people named Al and it's not short for anything? I don't know. I I guess it could have happened. And why is uh Dick the the shorter form of Richard? That's never made sense to me. I don't know, but people use both of those words to refer to a penis. And like why is why is Billy the short form of William? There's no B in William. I don't know. But I can't imagine somebody is named Al. Like, can you imagine two parents in a hospital room and they're holding the baby and they go, "Oh, let's name him Al. Now, the sad thing for Alejandro is that Peg never shows up that next day. So he's he's sitting in his car or wherever he got to Kmart the next day, waiting at the front door or maybe just in her favorite department and waiting for Peg to show up. And she never does because her life takes a huge spin but before we get to that al begs peg to do laundry Peg, i understand your great need to shop after all you have to do something to break up that nothing you do at home but you know as i was vacuuming my shirt this morning i said to myself hey i got a wife i have to why else would i not care about my health what's your point al i don't have any clean shirts peg okay al i'll do the wash but first, give me some more money. I need quarters for the machine. Hey, you're not going to get me with that one twice. We own that machine. Nick, <laughs> I'm serious. Look at this shirt. It doesn't show up in a mirror. <laughs> now go home, do the wash. Until then, you're cut off. Understand? No money. Yes, Al. Now, if you'll excuse me, the sun is setting and my shirt wants to party. <laughs> I have to put these shoes away. You know, last year... The way Peg got the laundry done is she basically tricked Marcy into doing it by just saying her washer machine's broken for, what was it, like 16 days or something? Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, 
Steve was tired of wearing his Nehru jacket, dressing like Disco Stew, so that was the end of that. So now we're back to not getting the clothes clean, you know, the grass stain is still on the back of Kelly's shirt, and now Al says, listen, my shirt won't show up in a mirror, uh, he was vacuuming the shirt this morning, right? Is that what he said? Yeah. Oh my, when he, when he, when he said, uh, that all I, and I thought of you and I was in like the shirt is a vampire. Dun, 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 dun. Saturday. Yep. She says, give me some money. Give me quarters for the machine. He says, we own that machine. You know, I can't get me with that one twice. That was a good one. That, <laughs> yeah. that was a funny line. I was like, mm, I see. I see you, Peg. I wish I could see the first time she did that to him and he paid her. I wish I could watch that happening. Like, I know there's so many. Like, we talk about how how lived in uh, the show is. Right. And when they make jokes like this, I, I, I agree. I'm just like, I would love to see. Yeah, I want to watch it. Like how like how dumb do you have to be, Al, to to think the machine you own at home takes quarters? <laughs> like who's coming and unloading those quarters? <laughs> yeah, right. Like who would? Where's it going then? Like so I like I know sometimes we're supposed to believe that that Kelly got her dumbness from Peg, but there's a few instances where I'm like I don't know, Al. I think you had a hand in this. You're gonna get a lot. It's gonna be Kelly's dumbness will be very explained along the years peg says okay let's compromise you give me money and then you can get chinese food on the way home like how does that have anything to do with anything yeah she is just not like i don't think she understands compromise <laughs> now <laughs> yeah she she doesn't so peg has a little bit of a sneezing fit and a cough how did you feel about this her robbing al's store Yes, like, she could get Al straight up fired for this. Like, she she could get arrested for this. She just straight up stole money from the register. It's not like they own the store. Right. Like, that was straight up theft. His register will be short, which basically means Al will have to pay out of his pocket to make it even Steven. So that is just not good for Al I guess she just feels like I'm robbing for Mal when he counts the register at the end of the night. He'll know what he has to do. He'll do it and just wonder where the money went. And that's it. You know, I don't know. That's dumb on both ends. Honey, I'm going to go home now and think about doing your laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, excuse me, ma'am. Where's the pharmacy? (laughs) Thank thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Peg leaves the store and on her way out bumps into Elvis Presley. Uh, We thought it was an... Allegedly. Yeah, but we just found out from Elvis that it was him. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Unless he was lying. There goes all my allegedly jokes. Yeah. I guess, you know what, I don't... Listen, he's talking to some young girls in in the back. I think we'll just keep saying allegedly to keep it based in this actual episode fair enough so how do we know how do we know this guy over here isn't a, another impersonator he probably is i think elvis is dead I'm, i mean i'm pretty sure he's dead well let's get into that after marcy and peg speak to each other because then we could start exploring this uh madness so at this point peg bumps into elvis he goes oh you know excuse me ma'am uh 
Do you know where the pharmacy is? I don't know what joke. Maybe I think the joke is that he's going to go get more pills or something because Elvis is, is a big drug addict at his later years of life. So I think that the pharmacy joke is that he's going to get some pharmaceutical meds. Like, I, I don't know exactly what he was on Percocet, Valium, uh, Vicodins. I'm not really sure what he was into, but he was absolutely on drugs. Uh, in his later years. So I think that's what that reference is. And then, um, so she, she just points because she's so starstruck. Now, why Peg didn't just think she bumped into an Elvis impersonator and laugh? I don't know. Instead, she was totally enamored by it. She was just totally buying it. Okay, so one on the, on the on the pill thing, I do think that's what they were going for. Though I do think he could have also asked, hey, Where's this? Where's like the sandwich shop? And it would have been just as funny. <laughs> right. They went dark with that one. Yeah. Because, and I honestly wish they would have went the sandwich way just because with the pharmacy, I'm like, so what fake name are you uh, getting that under? Wouldn't you like have the money? Because, like, after death, he's still making like $350 million. Like, that's what his net worth is still. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, like, he has. He's the richest dead person alive. Like, because you know how, because, like, one, he's had multiple, multiple albums come out after his death. Uh, Graceland's still going as a tour attraction. He's, his family keeps a tight, tight leash on that money. Well, you asked about what name would he use at the pharmacy. Uh, the Alejandro? F- <laughs> no. The fake name that Elvis actually used when he used to go to hotels and such was John Burroughs. That's what he went for years, and then I think somebody figured that out, and then he had a he had to change it. So that's what he would have used at the pharmacy. How did you even find that out? Um, I just did some research for this this week's show. Okay, the documentaries and stuff. Yeah, I watched like three different ones. Oh, okay, because I was gonna say, I'm like, I don't feel like that's just something you read on a Wikipedia page. Oh uh, no, no. Okay. Um. And then after, and so, so I was just like, wouldn't he have people that would just go get his drugs for him? Well, he has enough money to do that. Uh, but here's my thing, like why? Because I know why, I realize why Peg doesn't think this is an impersonator. Because if it was an impersonator, would an impersonator still be speaking like Elvis? Oh yeah. When he's you, you think so? You ever see that? I think there's like one famous guy, but there's probably a couple Michael Jackson people too, and. They do that whole, hi, how are you, man? Can you show me with it? And they can, he could actually ask the same question. Wow, your Where's... Elvis impersonation is terrible. No, I'm doing Michael Jackson now. Oh, I thought that was your Elvis one. I was like, Jesus, Alex. No, I don't do Elvis impersonations. Okay, good. Because if it's anything like your Michael Jackson one, it's terrible. Well, he's he would be like, hi, man. Could you show me where the pharmacy is? That and and he could ask the same question because he's also on drugs. So it's it's weird that the king of rock and roll and the king of pop and was Whitney Houston the queen of anything? If you're talking about queen of R and B, it would be between her or Tina Turner. Is Tina Turner on drugs? Everyone's on drugs. We are all on drugs. Yeah, I'm not for the record, people. I'm admitting nothing. Yeah. Hell, guess what I just saw? A mother with her children? <laughs> no. Hell, 
I just saw Elvis. Elvis who, Fig? You know, Elvis Costello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how – but that's amazing though. Think about that. When people – you could literally say a first name and there are billions of people named that name. Yet when you say that name, you know who it is. Isn't that amazing? Like you couldn't say Michael. The most you could probably do – the only way that, that relates maybe is if you say, I thought I was going to get killed by Jason. You could say that and people would know what that means worldwide most likely. You know, maybe not every – nah. I don't know. Yeah, because there's a few you could do last names, and it works. Like, hey, man, do you listen to Cash? Like, obviously, I'm talking about Johnny Cash. I would have to think about that for a second, though. Oh, really? I would think you're talking about a band, maybe, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I get that. But you're right. With Elvis, you just say that one name. Right, and he had two names. For example, if you said Madonna, well, of course everybody knows what that is, but that's only because did she have a last name? No, Madonna's just the stage name. Right, and Cher. Like, nobody knows. I mean, I'm sure she has a last name. I, I, I think I knew one time. I don't know now. But that doesn't count either because it was always just Cher. Uh, Prince was just Prince. Or a symbol. Yeah, if you showed them, the hold up a piece of paper and said, you listen to this? Elvis Presley, the king, the pelvis. <laughs> Now, when Peg says she has to describe Elvis to Al, she says, come on, Al, you know, the king, the pelvis. Now, Elvis's nickname when he started out was Elvis the pelvis because it was a very controversial thing that he was making that sexual gesture. I suppose grinding his hips into a girl or bumping into it, like whatever he sort of was doing with that pelvis type of dance. They nicknamed him that, and he said that that is the most immature thing he's ever heard come out of a, an adult's mouth. He was completely against being called Elvis. Wasn't he married to a 14-year-old? I'm pretty sure he'd seen something immature come out of her mouth. <laughs> uh, yes, he was. And that's why Elvis probably said that earlier. He saw some young girls or whatever. Like, that's what he's into. Like he he And he literally went to the parents of Priscilla... And asked if he could have her. And the parents willingly gave their daughter to Elvis at 14. Yeah, see, I don't know if that's good parenting or bad parenting. In the, in the short term, that's terrible parenting. In the long term, your kid's set for life. Right. So it's almost like a double-edged sword. Right. Exactly. And it's not like Elvis... Because Elvis isn't – it's not like R. Kelly's coming and asking. It's it's Elvis. He's he's not exactly known for like, you know, doing terrible things. Right. So the thing I said I was going to get into about this whole thing where Peg comes back in and tells Al that she saw Elvis, this is the most bizarre thing ever. Why would you go – if you're so ups- – if, if your whole life is going to revolve around Elvis for the next week, wouldn't you think – why would she care – to tell Al anything, would you not just follow this guy to the pharmacy? If you, it's- you you answered this question when you first talked about it. She's starstruck. She starts it. She, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't – it's like when you meet someone famous and you can't talk. Like – Right. You just don't have the guts. That's what it is. So she goes to Al to tell Al because she's so excited. And then it's not until Al's like talking bad about Elvis that she actually gets the – the like mannerisms up to go and find Elvis. My problem is, is that she didn't find Elvis because 
I've been in the line at the pharmacy, and it never takes uh, right. Less five than... minutes to get my stuff. Yeah, she could she could have showed up in an hour, and he'd still be there. Yeah, he was probably just waiting in the sandwich line <laughs> while they filled his prescriptions. <laughs> so Al says three things about Elvis. And I agree with all three. Hey, let me explain three things to you. Number one, Elvis is dead. Number two, Elvis wasn't any good when he was alive. Good as a perspective. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm just saying that I, uh, I, I start looking at life like I'm talking to a librarian when I hear his music. Every time I hear his music, I go to press the floor I want to go off of. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not exactly elevator music. It's okay. So what I've been doing now is to research for the show, I wanted a real perspective on El- like a fresh one. Now, about 10 years ago, I, b- I bought this. Uh, well, actually, I could find out exactly the year I did this. Uh, 2002, I bought this CD, which is called Elvis Presley, Elvis 30, number one hits. So I got 30 of his best supposed songs on one CD. And I've been playing this for for days leading up to this show so I could have a real opinion. And here's what I realized. Listening to the songs and list- and paying attention to them is not as good as doing other stuff and having the songs just on in the background. I was playing darts. I was fixing up something in my man cave. I was building a chair, uh, a new stool that I got. I was doing a bunch of like little tasks around the house while this was in the background, and I enjoyed it much more. But when you really sit there and listen to it, I was just like, uh, yeah, it's not really my thing. And it's weird because his first hit is a song called Heartbreak Hotel, which is what Kelly (laughs) has converted her bedroom into on this episode. And um, that song is almost void of music. Like, you don't even hear music. It's just him singing and, like, barely a drum beat, (laughs) barely a guitar. It's, like, the weirdest song ever. (laughs) It's like, do you guys know you're supposed to be playing instruments behind this? something you're actually supposed to be doing while listening to Elvis music to make it like be the most greatest thing in the world. Oh, okay. What's that? Playing bingo. <laughs> Is that where they usually play his music? Yeah. I had when I when I was a, a kid, uh my in Georgia, my neighbors across the street, huge Elvis fans. Uh my friend's mom was a huge Elvis fan and she played bingo. And she told me that there is nothing better than playing bingo while listening to Elvis. I, I'm sure that's probably does enhance the experience. And I, to this day, believe that if you play bingo and listen to Elvis, it is some, it is akin to a a, a redneck acid trip. <laughs> it's it's not a zen-like experience. 
And number three, if he was alive, he'd want you to clean my shirt. You don't believe me? As much as I believed you when you told me cleaning promotes heart disease. Well, that was a mistake. They meant smoking, but I didn't want to quit smoking. Honey, I really did. I just saw Elvis. There's only one dead guy in the mall, Peg, and you're looking at him. Now, uh, the best line of the episode, to me, it's so small and probably overlooked, but when Al says, there's only one dead guy in the mall, Peg, and you're looking at him. <laughs> I'm, I'm torn between that one and uh, it, I want 500 bucks if I find him. You can have everything I own. I'd rather have 500 bucks. <laughs> and I love Al's face after that. Yeah, that one was a really good setup. It's so weird because as – Peg is describing meeting Elvis to Marcy. She says uh, he looked just like they did when they buried him. And then Marcy says, you know, I wish Elvis was alive. So she's not buying this right now with Peg. And there's a turning point where she apparently feels (laughs) there's a sign that uh, for some reason means that it means Peg did meet Elvis. Okay, does that? Is that what that means? But uh, we'll get into that. So right now, let's get into, like we said, you know, she said he looked like they did the day they buried him. So clearly Elvis is dead, Jerry. So what is this? No, he's not. And and it's weird that she would say that because as I put on my tinfoil hat, I want to tell you that they didn't bury Elvis. They buried a wax sculpture of Elvis, which is why it's very odd that she would say that, and I can prove it to you. Oh, really? Okay, Looney, go ahead. Because Elvis spelled his middle name Aaron with one A, but his tombstone has Aaron spelled with two A's, and that's because Elvis Presley, being a God-fearing man, didn't want to actually put his whole real name on a tombstone that he was dead because it would actually end up killing him. So he couldn't do that. So he put two A's on there so that, that so it would show that he really wasn't dead. Only his true fans know that because that's him telling his true fans. Plus, three months after he was uh, supposedly buried, there was a picture that was taken of him sitting in Graceland, the mansion. It was taken, you can see clearly through the window, and Kodak themselves, that's right, Kodak, the people behind the Kodak camera said that the picture was not altered or tampered with at all. And it for sure was not an Elvis impersonator because Elvis impersonators weren't around three months after he was dead, as far as I know. Is this the picture of him crouched at that door and all you see is his head right above, and it looks like he's sitting on the floor basically because that's how low he is to the ground yes he was sitting in a in a what we uh like to call a low rider and he was very much leaned back because uh certain pills just kind of give you that relaxing feel <laughs> now uh, we're gonna post this picture on our facebook group page Mayor with children podcast group page uh just so everybody knows so but wait there's another picture There's another picture that happened six months after this where Muhammad Ali was giving an interview announcing that he had Parkinson's disease. And you can clearly see Elvis in the background going back to uh, Elvis Presley's actual death. The autopsy, the reason for death given was a regular heartbeat. 
Now, irregular heartbeat can only be diagnosed while someone is alive. And then the father of Elvis Presley made the autopsy secret. So we haven't even seen the autopsy, the original autopsy, because it's not going to come out until 2027. Now, here's the thing. In 1994, the autopsy was reopened, and it was said that he died of a heart attack. Most likely related. Now, I'm saying most likely with to buckets of fried chicken. Oh. Uh, but uh, well, most likely to a drug-related experience, which is why his dad did not want to make it public. But this is all just a cover-up put out to give us a a oh well, you know, we just didn't want people to know he did drugs because you know no one had a fucking clue that he was doing drugs at the time. Um, so they put this out in 1994 so that people would start going back into believing that he was dead because too many people were catching on and, and, and getting mm. woke on the subject. And a lot of people, my last thing I'll say on this, a lot of people like to claim that most of the sightings of Elvis are most likely Elvis impersonators. You see him everywhere. You can't go to Las Vegas or watch uh, a TV show like Sons of Anarchy without seeing an Elvis impersonator. Bobby Elvis. I'm not saying that Elvis is alive in an episode of Married with Children and Katie Seagal, who plays Peggy, who met Elvis, also knows someone who's an Elvis impersonator in another show that she's on. And this isn't all like hints that Elvis is actually alive set up by the Illuminati. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just putting it out there that there are, there are Elvis impersonators out there. But there were not Elvis impersonators in three months to six months after he was dead. Right. That did not... If from what I know, that whole thing didn't kick in. Like, there were Michael Jackson impersonators before he died. But that's because that's when the ball was already rolling. So that's why that happened. Like, you don't see many of that stuff happening while the people are alive or right after their death. Yeah, and if anyone wants to come at me and say, well, there were Elvis impersonators probably, I'll be like, yeah, for Halloween. <clears throat> Not like just going down... Uh, to the pharmacy or to church's chicken <laughs> on a Wednesday morning like there is nowadays. So, well, the, if anybody needs verification that Elvis is alive, go look up the Weekly World News newspapers, and there are tons of articles. Uh, I think he met Batboy in 1994. So there's plenty of stuff that you can look up that Elvis is alive. Yeah. In fact, I bet it was his meeting with Bad Boy in 1994 that actually got out that made them release the autopsy that said he died of a heart attack from drug overdose. And that's why his his dad hid it. That it's, it's all making sense now. Yep. So without further ado, I do have to say allegedly. OK, we'll say allegedly. I know Elvis is, is somewhere in here. He's knee deep in in freshman. In Kelly? Uh yeah, he could have. He's the one guy who could have spoke of Kelly since season one. Well, we're allowed to talk about Kelly now, right? We are now. Yeah. I didn't verify this. If uh if you We should look up her birthday. Elvis is on this episode. We don't have to verify anything. Yeah. <laughs> Christina Applegate was born on November twenty fifth, nineteen seventy one. Okay, hold on. 
Uh, yeah, she'd be like 17, 18, right? Okay, so she's 17 in 1988, and she'll be, and this is November 88, so we're allowed to talk about a 17-year-old, I suppose, but we could hold off one or two more episodes if you feel more comfortable about talking about an 18-year-old. I think it's more uh, what our audience will feel comfortable with, so we'll wait at least another episode. Okay. Uh, another episode or two. Now, uh... Marcy describes Elvis. She's been to Graceland and Graceland is when she says I've been to Graceland. What that means is uh, Elvis had an estate. You know, he didn't live, you know, on a normal block. There weren't houses on each side of his house like us. He lived in uh, sort of the same thing John Lennon used to live in. uh, If you see the movie Imagine, like just it's a house in the middle of nowhere. Now, this whole Graceland thing, people visit Graceland every single day of the year. It was closed for a little while, and then they reopened it. It is the second most uh, visited house in the United States of America, only second to the White House. Right, Jerry. It is the second most visited, and the site was listed in the National Register of Historic Places on November 7th, 1991, and declared a National Historic Landmark on March 27th, 2006. So it is a big deal, guys. This whole thing is big. So, you know, Marcy's been there, and she's been to Vegas. That's where Elvis kind of, when his career, you know, his career was not going as well. I give him a pass for that because nobody stays relevant in music beyond their first five years or so. You know, think about all your favorite bands. You know, they were in the top 40 or whatever. They all had these hits. Their first and second albums were always their biggest ones. And after that, you know, there's just new people that come in and, and they just don't continue they don't have that that staying power but back then you had a better chance at it though you know the Beatles were relevant for a lot longer than bands are today and I think Elvis was too but by the time he started wearing those bizarre jumpsuits with the wings or the cape on the back and stuff that was like only his fans were really listening at that point unless he had a song that was so good that it went back to the radio is him then was like Britney Spears now. You know, she was big in 98 and stuff, and then now she has a song here and there, but only her real fans are still going to those concerts. It's the same concept. I I wanted to say, too, did you notice that Marcy was wearing, like, blue pants and a blue shirt? That was very reminiscent of, like, this blue jumpsuit Elvis used to wear. And I wonder if that's why they dressed her like that. It could be. I could definitely see them doing something like that. I mean, because I feel like Peggy's outfit she wears when all the Elvis fans shows up mm-hmm. is gold. very, like, mm-hmm. the golden red, red is very Elvis. Yeah. I'm telling you, Marcy, I saw him. Look, Peggy, a lot of people think they saw Elvis. He was an idol, a sex symbol. And with men what they are today, is it any wonder we look to the dead for a little excitement? <laughs> Believe me, Peggy, no one wishes you were alive more than I do. I've been to Graceland. I saw him in Vegas. His buns alive with magic. His voice pulsing through me, reaching my secret places. 
His hips undulating, swirling, grinding, driving his essence into my very soul again and again. Faster and faster until, until... <sighs> Can I have a cigarette? Anyhow, what I'm saying here is Elvis is dead and we should get on with our lives. Oh, God. <laughs> Marcy Rhodes, and I and Amanda Burst did tell us this because I was, I think I used the Elvis example when I talked to her. And I said, when you had that orgasm on on national television, just by talking about Elvis. And she said, that was the first orgasm on national television ever. Now, I don't know if we could verify this, but I will I will take that and run with it. I think I got to trust what Amanda Burst says personally. Right. I agree. I will go ahead and trust that. The one of the the other best lines in this episode is when she's describing how, you know, just how amazing Elvis is and everything and then she said, "But Steve's just as good." And they both burst out laughing. Yes. I also want to talk about the camera shot here. We do not get a lot of tracking camera shots in this show. We have a lot of like uh, like just straightforward shots. Rarely does the camera move. And in this one, we get a wonderful camera shot where they move from the table to the – they go from the table to the washer and dryer and then out into the living room. And the camera just kind of pulls back and pulls away and moves with them. And I just want to say, like, it stuck out to me because you don't see that in 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 shows, in television shows at the time. Right. And you got to give props to the sound guy, too, because they picked up the whole conversation and didn't miss a beat. Yeah. And I did not see one boom mic. Right. And I'm sure the boom mics were all strategically placed so that and they had marks on the floor so that they didn't say anything until they got to that mark and they know they'd be heard well again. Then maybe during the laughing transition, they were able to travel with that or whatever. But yeah, everybody did good. They hit their mark. Remember, it's live audience stuff, too. So they don't get to do a sound over or anything. Yeah. Or chop it between scenes and say, okay, well, you know, it's sort of. Uh, you know, live. So it turns out, you know, they're checking all the laundry. Peg can't believe how clean the clothes are. And again, it's weird that Marcy's doing her laundry again. And Peg is treating it like it's this weird event. Like, wow, look how clean you could use them over and over again. And it's like, well, yeah, Peg, you know, we just kind of did this a couple months ago. And again, it's weird because First, she wasn't doing the laundry because the washer machine was broken. Then they won a new one on How Do I Love Thee. And now she's just not doing the laundry because she just doesn't feel like it. Well, I almost wonder, like, it's 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 ha- part of me wants to go. It's just them writing in jokes and they don't care. And there's another part of me that's just like, is Peg playing up to uh, Marcy's ego here? Like, oh, you're so wonderful, Marcy. I can't believe you can do this. You're teaching me so much, you know, kind of like what I do to you to, to to convince you to keep editing this podcast. Oh, you're so good at editing. You should never let up on it and keep 
putting as much. Alex, don't ever let me edit, man. I just can't hold a candle to the things you you are a wizard. Well, that's what I did to my wife. I said, "Man, you are so good at doing all of like the uh, the outside gardening and everything." I I mean, I don't want to mess it up. That should... is fucking racist. I said, "You should just keep doing it because if I do it, I will completely mess it up." So she's like, "Oh yeah, just like you told me, I do dishes really well," and that was sexist. <laughs> oh, Marcy, he was so real. Can you imagine what it must have been like to really be married to Elvis? And to have his baby. But Steve's just as good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, Peggy, washing isn't so bad. Yeah, you could be right. It's a lot better than just throwing these clothes away. (laughs) Gee, you can use them again and again. (laughs) Marcy, this is remarkable. You got all the yellow out. (laughs) Al's t-shirts are gray again. (laughs) And all the stains are gone. Oh, except for this one. Give me that. Oh, my God. Oh, don't worry, Mars. The numbing in the fingers is only temporary. It's caused by the special oils and spices in Al's body. (laughs) No, Peggy. Look at the stain. It's the king. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one, but by no means one of Al's best. Oh, look at the shape of it. It's Elvis's face. Al sweated Elvis. (laughs) It does look like him. It is him. It's a sign. You did see Elvis. You've been chosen. Elvis is alive in Al's underwear. Poor Elvis. First Vegas and now this. So it turns out Al sweated Elvis. Now, be honest. When they first lifted that shirt, did you notice the stain and realize where where they were going with this? No, I saw the stain. I thought it was a shirt. I thought it was one of Kelly's shirts. Like a design? Yeah, like it was a design. And I thought they were like, oh, how did Kelly's shirt get in here? I'm like, oh, are the kids finally going to show up this episode? Yeah, 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 right? So Al made an image with sweat, and it resembled the side profile of Elvis Presley. And then Marcy decides that it's a sign, and it means that Peg really did see Elvis in the mall. How do you make that leap? Why would Al sweating Elvis mean that? Well, I I mean, think about it. What if you would... Ran into to Tupac, <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa, that was Tupac." No, that wasn't Tupac. But then you get home, right? And are you going get in your car and you turn on your car and the first song that plays is Tupac? Yeah, on the radio. Would you not immediately go? That's just the way it is. It's exactly like I mean that wasn't Tupac, but uh, oh wait, no, that was Tupac. Ah, wow, you're slipping, boy. I am slipping. I like Biggie more than Tupac. I listen to more Biggie. Uh, but yeah, like, wouldn't you sit there and go, it's like, the world is telling me that that was Tupac. I, I need to go try to find him. No, I, I actually buy into it. I'm all, I'm down. So it turns out Elvis is alive in Al's underwear. Yeah, I don't know why they used that, because I, I, I guess that was supposed to be an undershirt. Uh, Yeah, like a gray undershirt. Now, one of the another great line is when Al comes home and then she 
they ch- they want to check for more Elvis sweat stains. So she goes, Al, quick, raise your arms. Al, quick, lower them. It's death, but no one we know. <laughs> yeah, that was real. Like I gotta say, also the the acting in this episode was like so. I good. almost want to say better than than an average episode. Like oh yeah, it they was were... really spot on. Just like this show, we're going clearly more all out than any other one. I mean, this is probably gonna be our biggest show of all time. It's, I mean, we're already clearly going into the hour mark. Not yet. We're probably at like, you know, 50 or so minutes. Um, I have a broken watch, so I couldn't verify this. But uh, this is a big episode on all accounts. Elvis is trying to contact Peg, they believe. So, the uh, no, see, the the episode is just full of great lines, like Al saying, you know, now let's do, let's honor him by doing what he loved to do, eat dinner. <laughs> now, is that one of the best lines, or is it just a better overall scene when Al says, you want to see Elvis? I'll show you Elvis. <laughs> oh, my God. That was good. And then him going, and now I'm going to go to do what I love to do. Yep. I'll let you know if I conjure up any famous people. Any superstars, yeah. Yeah. Like it's just it's just so good. It's it's the thing about this episode that I think makes it stand out. We have episodes where it's just zinger after zinger, line after line of just really funny uh dialogue. Where where it's just punchline after punchline after punchline. But in this episode, I actually it doesn't feel like it's punchline after punchline right. after punchline. It feels more like woven in. Woven in, structured, very well, paced very well, because it's not joke after joke after joke. In fact, some of the times – the thing is is there is no punchline. Right. It's just the delivery of the dialogue is so spot on. That's what is the magic of this season four and five. The the style of humor and the quality is so beyond anything. It's – and this episode is a prime example. Every little thing, every little thing is great. I just, I, it's hard to even comprehend how great this show is from this point for, when we, like I said, we're going to have a great time for the next year and a half or whatever that this uh, adds up to. Now, uh, the next scene, they decide to capitalize on this. You know, Marcy says, uh, I'm going to call my Elvis uh, fan club hotline and they may send a representative. Which they never did. We never got like a representative in, which I thought was weird that they used like they made it like that was the big thing that was going to kick off the thing. Right. They let them run this themselves. Yeah, they were just like, uh, we'll let people know, uh, but it's we'll give them your address and stuff and people will show up, but we're not going to show up. And it's weird because in 1988, it ain't like they could have said, yeah, okay, we'll post this on our website. Like, how did people know? And it's almost like this all just happened. Like, for example, it's not like they could send out, okay, we'll mention it in our next newsletter. You know, like our monthly newsletter that we send to the the fan club. It almost seems like the next day everybody was there. So how could that? It does seem like the next day. I'm assuming they had to, to have like maybe a day or something. Maybe they were like, maybe when she, they called, they told Marcy, all right, Marcy, we're going to start making calls uh, to the members that are closest to your area to let them know. So be ready. Cause I was thinking like 
maybe this is one of those fan clubs where you pay a monthly fee to be in it oh, yeah. or a yearly fee to be in it. Mm-hmm. So they actually have like people hired that would make those phone calls. Right. They actually have a, a point to you paying them. Yeah. They have a, yeah. They, they provide a service. The wine stocks, they said that the, the lady in um, Michigan. Yeah. Let's just say that for now or Wisconsin. One of the two. Uh, was mu- who saw Elvis in her eggs was was much nicer. Now, what it seems like is that these nut jobs just spend all their time uh, traveling to the latest Elvis sighting. At the very end, they saw Elvis in um, Ohio buying quarter inch lug nuts at Willie's Hardware. We have no idea where these people live. Uh, I don't know how far away Chicago is from the place that the previous sighting was at. But we can assume that this fan club will let you know within like uh, a three tri-state area or maybe even larger. It could be, hey, if they show up anywhere in the southeast, I want to know about it. Northeast, north. Um, They could have, I want to know every like sighting period. You know, maybe they pay a VIP membership. I just found... Uh, the other the other place the place in the eggs was Denver, so I'm looking at Denver right now. Denver and Chicago is pretty far. Well, Ohio is actually Ohio is pretty close to Chicago. It's only one state in between is Indiana. Yeah, so you can you can drive like that's my thing. If you can drive there in a in a in a two day span, you're on this list. You know okay. what I'm saying? Well, then that's what it is. But why even do this? Because it ain't like. Elvis is still there. It ain't like they're all hanging out at the mall. You don't know. It's all about the possibility and the hope. Yeah, but they they should be camping out in front of the pharmacy. You know, like, well, where was he? The pharmacy? Well, maybe he'll come back. Maybe this, maybe that. Let's check the security cameras. Well, like, some people, they, they know they're never going to see the greatness, so all they can do is hope that they can meet the man who met Andy Griffith. <laughs> or the dog who saw Lassie. Which I said in I said in the the previous episode there was another great Buck visual and this one is hilarious. <laughs> Buck with his sign, feed the dog who saw Lassie. And the best part about it is you don't know if it means the actual Lassie or just or the TV saw show. the movie. Yes, yeah, saw the saw it on TV. The <laughs> yeah. dog was in the room while we were watching Lassie once. Right. His eyes uh, faced the TV for a second while we were watching that. So now a really cool idea is that they had that shirt with the sweat stain on it, like on a sort of like a mannequin type cutout thing, and then you could yeah. put your arms in the same direction and put your head right above the the collar and take pictures. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. And you have to pay twenty dollars, which in nineteen eighty is like almost fifty dollars, dude, to to take a picture there. That's a lot of money, dude. So uh, you could buy Elvis. You ain't nothing but a hound dog, hot dog. I'll take ten. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like we said, you could feed the dog that saw Lassie for five dollars, which is like paying ten now. Now Peg has a bunch of fake stories about her and Elvis's encounter. I found it really odd. Uh, I don't know when I started finding this odd. You know, I just kind of like watched it all those years. But I think in the last two years or so, because I watched this episode about once a year for the last 20 years because I really like it. 
And it just dawned on me that Marcy pulls Peg away. She she un, undoes the red velvet rope that Peg is, you know, she's sitting on the chair telling the stories and all the housewives are surrounding her. And Marcy pulls her away to say, did Elvis really uh, give you a massage? And then she says, you know, well, he kind of bumped into me, which is true. But when you're married to Al, that qualifies as a massage, I guess. So then Marcy continues to ask questions and stuff. Why do we have to have this one-on-one with Peg and Marcy? Okay, for the first thing, Peg admitting it wasn't a massage, it was a bump. Okay. But... The, con- the conversation continues with just the two of them, and she's asking questions as any of those other housewives. And, and you got to wonder why, why didn't all that, why would she ask it now? What about after you hung up with the representative when you say, so, so tell me more now that I think you really met him, tell me more. Marcy has no other conversations with Peg about Elvis. And you're right, because on a, before that phone call, you would have to assume that Peggy told her the the story of what happened, and probably in an unfiltered, uh, real like what actually happened. Right. So I have to believe Marcy's already ho- heard the real story, but I think, uh, and I think this is just uh, showing how much of a fangirl Marcy is because she's 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 getting sucked into the hype, just like all the other Elvis fanatics in this room, to where she wants to believe this fantasy. That happened because if it happened to Peggy, it could happen to her. Right. That like, because I'm with you. That that stuck out to me too. Because I was like, uh, guys, didn't she already have this conversation? Why is she, <laughs> right. like, why is she going into to more depth? Um, though I did think the the funny Clark Gable story was hilarious. You know who Clark Gable is, right? Yes, but sounds like a yes, but a no. Uh, he's the guy with the wind guy. Yeah, he's Rhett, he's Rhett from Gone with the Wind. Okay, now I felt that Marcy delivered probably the worst joke on Married with Children history. There could be worse as we go on, but for now, this has to be the worst, unless you could save it for me by giving me the reference. She says that she had a dream. Her only brush with, you know, dest- what, you know some greatness or whatever was cl- a dream with Clark Gable in which he told her, which is the worst line ever, Keep your own teeth as long as you can. Yeah, I didn't understand this. I, I started thinking about it from like a dream metaphor thing. All right. Well, that joke seems insanely dumb unless you really know a lot about Clark Gable. Which we don't. Which no one does unless you listen to this podcast where we do all the research for you. So by the time he was 32 years old. William Clark Gable had almost a full set of dentures. The pinup actor and star of Gone with the Wind suffers with gum problems when he was young and a serious bout of Fioria in 1933 led to his dentist extracting most of his teeth. But even the joke still doesn't sort of make sense. Keep your own teeth as long. Well, clearly you don't have a choice if you're like, how could you? I don't know. Yeah, that's really funny. What also doesn't make sense is uh, uh, another medical thing. She says she was awoken uh, from the dream by Steve, whose appendix had burst. Okay, first your appendix ruptures, and and after it ruptures, after a few hours, it will burst. And when it bursts, you most likely will die. 
here's the thing. I had my appendix ruptured. Uh, Steve wouldn't have been sleeping if it if it had gotten to a point where it had burst because it had already ruptured. And it feels like someone's stabbing you, twisting the knife, yanking back out, and stabbing you again. He would have went through hours of that kind of pain. I just want to know how Elvis knew your appendix burst. I don't know either. You know, I was like 14 when it happened. Oh, he knows a lot about 14-year-olds. Because I was in seventh grade seventh grade i yep, think that's 14 i think i was in seventh grade when or 12 it happened. maybe 12 i don't know fun story i got a teacher fired over it i think we heard the story already I, did, did i tell i think i might have told the story she was a substitute teacher right uh no she was she was the teacher or, for the for in school suspension. suspension yeah yeah, that's it. Yep. yeah. Yep. so yeah but steve would have steve would have known like that it so they they really meant ruptured, but maybe that doesn't sound as good as burst, and that's why they went with burst. It does not sound as good. So Bud orders from twentieth century shrines. You know he wants to sell uh, a couple things to these morons. Hi there, I'm Ollie. I'm Lou. We're with twentieth century shrines. That's for me, Dad. Bundy's the name. Bilking the public's my game. Yeah, well we have your order right here. Let's see. Two gross of skinny Elvis pens. Yep. Two gross of fat Elvis pens. <laughs> One thousand rolls of love me tender toilet paper. Yep. Wait a second. Where's my jailhouse rock shower soap? Uh, we're not. Big prison order. Damn. <laughs> Elvis apparently serenaded Peg with pepperoni on his breath. And he's saying, since my baby left me. Wait, can we get Elvis to do this? Uh, Elvis. Oh, leave her alone. God. Yeah, she's seven. She's 17. It's embarrassing, dude. You starting to date these older women is weird. All right, come here. All right, can you sing uh, the song that Peg sang? Uh, I'll do what I can. It's been a while. Well, since my baby left me, I found a new place to stay. I forgot. The words today. Are you are you drunk? Hey, listen, boy. I went to that pharmacy. I'm loaded up. That's not what I asked you. Well, I'm high. I'm telling you I'm high. What don't you get about that? Why would you not just say no? And and then you wouldn't have to explain that you're high or on drugs of any kind. Hey, listen, I got nothing to hide. Except that you're death? Hey, love me tender, boy. That that is not a response to being accused of being a liar after saying you got nothing to hide. Like I don't. Well, sometimes you have to surrender. What are you talking about? That also doesn't make any sense. Elvis, you know, just go back and talk to the seventeen-year-olds. You have a suspicious mind. Really, really? Are you just dropping like names of your songs at me? That's the wonder of you, boy. Oh my God! Go away. Way down, you are go sinking way down right now. Oh, my God. Listen, I got these drugs in the ghetto. Hey, have you seen the impersonation uh, Al did of you? She's not you. All right, Elvis, enough with the name draw. I mean, come on. All right, we know your songs. Oh, Oh, God. God, that was annoying. All right, what what were... I'm sorry, I I let him use my headphones. I don't even know what you were asking him. Where are we now? Hold up, I'm trying to remember because I'm not used to someone responding to a question with an actual real answer. (laughs) 
The kids are making uh, money off hardworking morons. Right. And then a bunch of Elvis impersonators show up. One thing that happens first is that Al shows up. Now, he says, you know, that all he wanted was peace, a meal, and some hemlock. Now, hemlock is a uh, conium maculatum is a highly, that's what hemlock is, conium maculatum, and it's a highly poisonous. It's a, it, He wants to poison himself is what. <laughs> it is poisonous, right. Is what is what Al over here is trying to say for what Al wants to do. Yeah, it's it's one of several poisonous plants in the Apicaceae family. Stop. Uh, <laughs> two species, one formerly used as a method of execution. So Al wanted to just die. Do you see the research that we do for you people? <laughs> yeah, you you really should start donating to our uh, Patreon because we absolutely deserve it, guys. Yeah, we should – this way we can, we can hire Elvis impersonators to do this research for us. Exactly. Um, so – he does not get the hemlock. Um, and then Peg says, oh, my moment in the sun and Mr. Totally Clips comes along. And that's pretty cool. Wouldn't that be even cooler if we did this show a couple weeks ago when there was a Total Eclipse? Yes, and I was actually in totality. I got to see the full thing. Yeah, you you would have because from your house it was totality until you drove and met us at the at the nudie bar. Uh, every day, we every week, once a week, we drive to Chicago to do the show. Um, yeah, like Jerry said, the National Academy of Elvis Impersonators arrive. Peggy, I'd like you to meet the National Academy of Elvis Impersonators. Howdy, ma'am. Howdy, ma'am. Howdy, ma'am. Howdy, ma'am. We got a couple normal looking ones and then all of a sudden the jokes start rolling in. So one is a Chinese Elvis. He's like, howdy, mom. Hey, in in the credits, he is Oriental. He is Oriental Elvis. Well, it's actually an insult to call a Chinese and or Japanese person Oriental. They do not like that. That is what you say when you refer to like a rug or something. When you speak of a human being, you're supposed to call them Asian. So it's odd that someone didn't know that, and they just well. Called... In would they have known that in 1988? Well, no, because everybody wasn't sensitive. Yeah, because uh, because it's just like the uh, the the black guy is called Black Elvis. Oh, is he really? Yeah, in the credits <laughs> it says Black Elvis. <laughs> Not African-American Elvis? Oh, I didn't look and see what they called the wheelchair Elvis to see if they said wheelchair or handicap. Uh, wow. I feel like I want to go ahead and find out, but it's okay. I, yeah, I didn't. We'll, we'll have to look. Um, but that Asian Elvis, did you uh, – one, did you all know that, uh, that the Asian community is super into Elvis? Uh, y- yeah, I think – This certain Asian Elvis uh, looks a little familiar, don't you think? I feel like I saw him in something. What was it? Bueller. Ferris Bueller's Days Off. Okay. Yep. He was the detective in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was in a bunch of other stuff too, but probably the easiest way to throw it into someone's mind is uh, 
the the detective from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Amazing how they always have to get real actors to do like these simple bit parts. American Children's like we talked about, like the guy who handed the basket from the Schmitz in the you better watch out and also the guy from the lakeside mall like they're real actors and stuff and now just to go oh howdy mom you have to be a real actor to be fair i think they didn't need a real actor for that because right before he took off those glasses i was a hundred percent sure he was about to nail this impersonation <laughs> like he just walked in with so much confidence as soon as he takes off the confidence the glasses it's like the confidence comes off too, and he just reverts back to yeah, yeah. to <laughs> Asian right. tourist. That's true. Well, I'm surprised he didn't have a camera. Yeah. Look, Al, Elvi. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a bunch of Elvi in the house at this point. So, which also, by the way, fantastic joke. <laughs> Peg, I'm going to say this as plainly as I can. It's either Elvis or me. And what's it going to be? Flip to Al sleeping in the shoe store. Clyde, this is the homeless guy I spoke of that I said, I think he has a name and stuff. And I remember him saying, hey, 8 o'clock, Bundy. You know, something Wait, like- is he the one that we, that we thought got a hand job from the Chicken Red, that one episode? 8 o'clock, Bundy. <laughs> Thanks, Clyde. <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it, I do not believe they are the same people. I believe the guy with the hand job has long black hair, and this guy does not. Okay. So, yeah, I think— Well, I mean, he could have had a haircut. I still—no, the face also, I remember. I do not think it's the same. So, we answered that question that you all have probably been still wondering since we said that. I'm sure that every night when you went to bed, you wondered if we'd ever find out. As soon as my head hits the pillow, all I think about is— did Clive get the hand job or was it another homeless guy? <laughs> so the world may never know. So it turns out Al has to Al is like funny. I guess the shoe store opens exactly at eight and he'll sleep right till the last second and just bank on a homeless guy uh, as his alarm clock. Like, you know, because they're real reliable in the 80s. They were pretty reliable. Now you can't find a good homeless person to save your life. So. They just don't make homeless people like they used to, Al. No, they don't. They they just become homeless in just the wrong ways. Uh, Steve shows up, and he has this whole aura about him. And he comes in with a suitcase, and he lays on the table and goes, Where the hell were you last night? Steve, I banged on your door for 15 minutes. I was looking for a place to stay. Why didn't you stay at the Elvis tent city that sprang up on my lawn? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to the point of my visit, Al. I'm suing you. And he, he opens the suitcase and everything. It looks so, like, professional. It looks amazingly professional. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, look, he has all the stuff to do it with, too. I guess he's really suing Al, and he's not laughing or joking or anything. And I think Al's in big trouble. My wife won't leave your house. Well, neither will mine, but they threw me out of court. <laughs> this Elvis thing is ruining my life. I used to have a wife that enjoyed my company. We'd come home from work, we'd talk, we'd laugh, we'd share little banking anecdotes. That was before your wife and your sweat stain ruined my life. 
what is Steve doing exactly? You know, he says he's suing him because his wife won't leave his house. And eventually he comes back down to earth and just starts chit-chatting with Al. And he's not angry at Al in particular. He's not really suing Al. But the whole way he did that is amazing. Like, I totally believed it. And, you know, I I 100% think Steve, on the way over there, thought uh was thinking about how he was gonna talk to al about this whole time came up with this funny joke decided he was gonna sell it mm-hmm. like he was like i'm going 100 percent. i'm gonna open up a suitcase and everything it'll be hilarious to see al's face and uh it didn't go the way steve thought it would no it really worked and i even feel bad about examining it on our show here it, it's almost like i'm picking it apart or trying to take away from it and I shouldn't because it was really great. Uh, but I do have to wonder, like, why – what did he get when he opened that suitcase? Like, what <laughs> – I don't know. See, that's I think a, he was just selling the joke. Like, and that's he, it, like, right? Yeah. Real, like, real world Steve was selling the joke to his friend Al and it just failed. I, I've done that before where I'm like, I'm going to commit to this joke. There's going to be a physical part to it. It's going to be great. And then and they're going to – it's going to be hilarious. And then I do it and just crickets. <laughs> well, Al didn't react to that aspect at all. He just said, he said, Steve, if it was that to me, you'd have your wife back and mine. So what, he wants to give Steve his wife too? Hey, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. If you had a chance to have a threesome with Marcy and Peggy, are you turning that down? 1988, Marcy and Peggy. No, I'll do it. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I'd take it. Yeah, why not? Now Marcy's at your house, and it's pretty difficult to discuss supply-side economics with a woman who's riding on the shoulders of a black man singing Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) (sighs) I want to see that scene. Why couldn't we film that scene? Could we, could somebody who's amazing at Photoshop, can you get a picture of Marcy possibly sitting in a couch or something or sitting down in a chair and somehow crop that out? And when that black Elvis impersonator walks in the house, get a good shot of him and then crop her onto his shoulders so we could sort of visualize what that would look like. Yes, please. If someone can do this, I will love them forever. So what's your beef, Steve? (laughs) I want my wife back. Steve, if it was up to me, you'd have your wife back and mine too. But it's not up to me. Our women have gone insane. And I've learned much like when they're shopping sick or horny. Best to stay out of their way. Why is it only women see Elvis? Men at least see UFOs, something useful for mankind. But I think we see UFOs because we have to. It's the only way we can get out of here. The only thing that keeps me going is thinking one day a spaceship will land. Hopefully on garbage day. Then... A gorgeous Martian with three big hooters comes up and says, I can't speak, I have no parents, and I have no idea what good sex is. Hop aboard, my planet's Sue Planet. And that's some uh, flawed writing. Uh, The Martian will say to Al, I can't speak. (laughs) I think somebody slipped up there. What's the third hooter for? The one on the back for dancing. (laughs) 
Now, this show predates Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So when they make the joke, a Martian with three hooters, that is completely original. The only difference with the three hooters on Total Recall and Al's fantasy is that one is on the back for dancing. Uh, Which do you prefer? Do you want three titties in the front or two titties in the front and one on the back? One going down a girl's spine. I, I just don't see that as appealing. Well, but think about if you're hitting a doggy style. Yeah, but just staring at one boob flopping around while I'm doing that is just... I don't know if, if I'd enjoy that. Okay, valid point. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know if it'll look right. with, And you look up and there's the back, you know, a back of a head with long hair. Uh, I don't know. I, it, I'd have to try it to tell you. If you can Photoshop... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, if anybody could Photoshop a porno. <laughs> it's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be. I'll be just so lonely, baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just so lonely. I could die. Yeah, I wish I was a low-life con man like my kids so I could make some money off this thing. Oh, give yourself some credit, Al. You're low enough. You're just not smart enough. Thanks. Now, <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not telling you anything that Peggy hasn't told Marcy, and Marcy hasn't told me a thousand times. <laughs> Point is, why should everyone make money off your sweat but you? And me. <laughs> we got to get in on this, Al. Well, I don't know, Steve. My kids got the market cornered. They're selling everything. What's left? I mean, what really says Elvis? Uh... And then they just look around. They're in a shoe store. And it occurs to Al, which is technically a, a a great idea, blue suede shoes. I had to Google this. I didn't get it. I was like, Oh really? So I thought I was like, is it does he do a, like a matching like outfit of blue suede? And you just can't swell sell blue shade jackets because you work at a shoe store, so you just do shoes. But then I Googled it and it's it's a song. Yeah, blue suede shoes is like you could do anything but lay off of my blue suede shoes. You can do anything but lay off of my blue suede shoes. Yeah, like you could do all these bad things, but don't step on my blue suede shoes or something like that. He literally really did steal everything from black people, didn't he? Everything was well. That's what Elvis was. He he was a white guy who just stole black music. And then he eventually started making his own or, but the Beatles did that too. Like when the Beatles. Led Zeppelin did the same thing. Led, uh, well, they stole a whole album. Yeah, they stole whole albums. They stole whole, I mean, like they were just constantly just retaking other stuff, turning it into uh, their own version of it and, and selling it. So like, it's not like it was uncommon, but Elvis is one of the first probably like big big names to do to to do it and get famous off of it oh yeah he's the biggest name to ever steal black music that's true if you oddly enough blue suede shoes and i think i might have done this before i even started this podcast i probably looked it up to see if al and steve had anything there so i looked up blue suede shoes on the internet and i did it again i believe this time around and it's not really a thing 
you can't find them all over eBay or anything or or anything like that. Like it's not popular. No one's really buying blue suede shoes. They're they do exist, but it's not I didn't find them in abundance. Now, did I look at all did I go to these Elvis fanatic websites? No. Not really. So I guess they they could be somewhere, but it just wasn't as big as I thought it might be. Yeah, you should have went to the Elvi market. <laughs> Get your blue suede shoe. <laughs> hey, what did you do now? So Al and Steve show up to the Bundy household with 700 pairs of blue suede shoes. Now, let's not even try to approach the logistics of how. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say no. And yeah, you like. you rent a truck? <laughs> how many workers would it, you know, like. How did you get that many shoes that fast? Right. Who designed them? Who? Do, it's just the most ridiculous. And why would you even get 700 to bring to a house which had about like 12 Elvis fanatics in there? Like who – even if 50% of the people bought it, you'd only sell six pairs of shoes. And and 50% is a good number when you're – you know, people see things all the time of stuff that they're into and they ain't buying them. Yeah, you should have shown up with like 20, 25 max. Right. 700 pairs. Everyone's gone. No one's in the Bundy household anymore. And Al goes, Peg, what did you do? And then she's, she didn't do anything this time around. Al, something terrible has happened. Elvis was spotted in Youngstown, Ohio, buying quarter-inch lug nuts at Willie Hardware and Lumber. So... All these people headed over there now to to go to the last place Elvis was seen, even though they'll never see him there because he bought them and left. Now I am just an ordinary woman married to you. <laughs> oh, Al, I'm so depressed. Hold me. Steve, we've got 700 pairs of blue suede shoes. What are we going to do? Oh, Al, I'm so depressed. Hold me. <laughs> People are so stupid. Elvis didn't say a thing to me about Ohio. He probably found out I had children. I knew those kids would ruin my life. Look, I'm going to drive down to Youngstown right now and straighten this thing out. Steve, that's it. We'll go to Youngstown. You do that for me? Huh? Uh, yeah, you sure, Peg. Right, yeah, for you. Grab the shoes, Steve. Let's go. I love when Steve was just – when I was like, what are we going to do, Steve? And she was like, oh, well, I'm so depressed. Hold me. Uh, yep. Do you know why Peggy specifically mentions Youngstown, Ohio? I believe – isn't that where Al Bundy is from? So well, Ed O'Neill is from. Ed O'Neill, yes. And by the way, Katie Seagal has met Elvis in real life. Her father, Boris Seagal, directed a movie with Elvis. Huh. Maybe Katie Seagal is the – is like the tie, the link to, to the the true whereabouts of Elvis. Quite possibly. We now we really have to interview her. We do because the Sons of Anarchy connection, this connection, uh, married children connections. There's got to be something there. God, that would that interview would give me a heart attack because I wouldn't even know where to go with her. The two of my favorite shows of all time, my favorite sitcom of all time, Married with Children, and my favorite 
uh, I don't know, drama television show of all time, Sons of Anarchy. And she is at the center of both of them. And I like I don't even know how I could craft that entire interview and then you guys throwing in stuff. Now you have Sons of Anarchy stuff and Justin has that and we all have this. Oh my god, it would be it would be a whirlwind of craziness. No ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash married with children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode. All right, guys. Time to get your dogs. You ain't nothing but a hound dogs. Out of five, how many hound dogs are you giving I'm going to Sweatland, Justin. And I'm saying that because I do believe Habib pulled another call from Justin in which he supplied us with his rating. So let's listen to that real quick. This call will be recorded and monitored. I have a collect call from Justin, an inmate at a detention facility. All right, guys, JP calling in again, still up here, still waiting on my release, but uh, hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. And uh, I'm going to talk about my feelings towards episode number two of season three. I'm going to Sweatland. I got to say, guys, I really didn't care for this episode too much. Uh, I didn't think the jokes were overly funny. There, there was some funny moments between Al and Steve and the final scene was a little bit funny, but I honestly didn't care that much for the setup as well. Um, I never really understood like the whole Elvis obsession. And honestly, like, I don't think that it played super well in this episode. Um, it was more of a Peggy centric episode and it just, it seems like, uh, it just didn't resonate with me as much as I would have hoped. Um, even Amanda Beers, um, Marcy wasn't even overly funny or anything in this episode. Uh, that she had the one really funny moment where she like gets orgasmic over Elvis. <clears throat> Sorry about my voice, guys. I'm a little bit sick, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna come in at uh, really average on this one. I'm, I'm gonna go 2.5 out of five. That is uh, my feelings towards episode number two. I want to thank Alex for sending me some DVDs by mail so I could uh, keep up on the episodes, and I'll see you guys soon. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh- Prison must be messing this boy's head up because 2.5. Uh, I think that's the third one we've ever had. And uh, I think pretty undeserving. Um, Jerry, please tell me. Uh, give me some good news, buddy. What's your rating on this episode? How many you ain't nothing but a hound dog hot dogs are you giving this episode out of five? Uh, I am giving, get your, uh, hot dogs. You ain't nothing but a hound dogs, uh, four out of five. Uh, this was a super act episode. Um, and it's kind of funny before I watched this episode, I knew it was about Elvis and I was kind of worried that Al liked Elvis. 
And I just did not, and something about that just did not sit well with me. I don't know if it's because I didn't want him to like Elvis or I just didn't see him as an Elvis listening guy. And so I was really soaked when he started making fun of Elvis. Uh, All the the jokes making fun of him were fantastic. All the jokes poking fun of his fans were fantastic, how they were literally by anything. And and this episode was just so well-structured with its jokes, uh, going beyond just punchlines and doing actual, like, uh, more thought-out jokes. Uh, Peggy's impersonation of Elvis was hilarious. Those gold pants was was looking fly. Um, I d- the complaints I have in this episode are all like, well, that doesn't make sense because you can't fit how they get 700 shoes that fast. It's all little things like that, and right. I can kind of throw those away as just, they're, yeah, they don't make sense, but it's it's for the punchline. Yeah, if, if it moves the show along, if it, who wants to see them sit there and figure that out, <laughs> you know? Or who wants to watch them take the time to do it, you know? I mean... And on top of that, if they brought it back down to reality, it maybe wouldn't have been as funny. If they would have just shown up both holding like 10 pairs of shoes each. Would that have been as funny as him showing up with with a hand cart? Right. And then saying, we have 700 pairs. That's that's how you know, oh, we are screwed. You know, that's the only way you can get that devastating thing and Steve saying, hold me and how their best laid plans went nowhere and all that. That's the only way that could pay off. I mean, I would have even taken 200 or 300. 700 is, is a lot. Yeah. I don't think they even sold them all in Youngstown, Ohio. I mean... Yeah. And and that's another thing. This is like that kind of a weird ending to this episode. Like, they just leave. And it's cool because, oh, wait, we figured it out. Let's go there and just sell them. And then, so you wonder, did Al and Steve succeed? How did this all work out? Did they sell all the shoes? Did they meet up? Did they get to Youngstown? What happened, you know? So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting, odd ending. Maybe Al succeeded for once. Who knows? We don't know. And we'll never hear of it again. And again, I messed up. Forgot to tell you guys that uh, the title of this episode, I'm Going to Sweatland, is obviously, I'm sure you figured out by our description earlier, it's obviously a play on Graceland, the name of uh, uh, Elvis's estate, Graceland. I'm going to Graceland, as we normally say. You know, I, I have to wonder in the writer's room, who was like, so what should we do for an episode? Okay, guys, what if... Elvis is still alive. Now, now follow me. <laughs> and it was – Peggy ran into him, but then she got a sign from God because of a sweat stain from one of Al's shirts. <laughs> and it's perfect. Something uh, nasty and raunchy of Al, like something – Yeah, and someone in there was like, make it happen. This sounds amazing. I would watch that, make it happen. So, uh, yeah – Great rating, four out of five. I give this a five out of five. This is just perfection to me. It's one of those amazingly structured things where all the writing within is all super great, all funny. I laugh out loud to this day. It's just amazing. It's iconic. Uh, Even as a kid, this occurred to me. Just like a perfect marriage with children. I mean, the last two, the library book and this one, just perfection. This is this is exactly why I watch the show. Very, very strong season opening. Oh, God. Yeah, these two, I mean, 
people back then must be like, okay, I'm I'm along for the ride. Let's go. So when does this come out every day or every week? Uh, I'm set your VCRs. Let's let's do this. So yeah, these are just two strong, great starts um, to season three, Married with Children. I really, this is one of those rare reviews where I feel like I said everything during the review that I could say now to tell you why I think it's a five out of five. So I think I said it all. Everything we described has been great. So there's really nothing left to say. And Jerry said anything extra. So that's it, guys. Five out of five for me. I'm going to Sweatland. It is great. And real quick before we get out of here, guys, uh, Alex dropped a line earlier in the show talking about our patreon uh we are we do have a patreon uh it's still a work in progress uh because it's hard with way patreon works is uh you sub- you subscribe to give us a, a donation every month a certain amount of, of money and it's set up in tiers um and the higher the tier the better the reward now for a show like ours we can't do a lot of the the other a lot of the rewards that other podcasts do. We can't have you request a movie for us to watch or review because we're doing Married with Children episodes and we're doing it in a very specific order. So we were we are working on on fun things we can do and we do have one idea that we think would be a really really fun Patreon exclusive which means it would not come out on our normal feed and it would only be for those who who want to donate um and it would just be something bonus because we will always give you this show as it is us doing the reviews for the series it's always going to be there we're always going to give it to you but if you want want us to do some extra content if you want us to do some bonus stuff then we're going to do that and here's the idea what we want to do is once a month put out a bonus show for patreon that will be every month y'all picking an episode that we have already reviewed. That's the key. Already reviewed. We'll put up a, like a poll every month. And the winner of that poll will get to, will be the episode that we do a commentary over. Which means we will sit down and, and do a commentary track over the actual episode. Uh, half you know, kind of making fun of stuff and half, you know, going back into some things that maybe we missed or some things that we just want to, like, get into a little bit deeper. Um, and so you'll get, like, a 25 to 30-minute 30, 30 commentary because we'll probably go a little bit before the sh- episode starts and a little bit after the episode ends. Um, and we will give you a commentary track. Um, and it will just be, we'll, we'll put up, like, hey, guys, out of the first, like, five episodes, which one do you want to see us do? We'll put up a poll, whichever one wins, We'll do we'll do that episode, um, and that right now is is the the big perk that we're gonna put up, and that we're gonna have up there, and we will have some others as we go on and figure out stuff. We post in the Facebook group. How would y'all feel if we did like a review of Hondo? We might end up turning something like that as a as a Patreon perk, where we review Hondo or we review a, another Ed O'Neill movie or another Katie Segal movie or. We maybe dig into some of their other works, um, stuff like that. Maybe we do a live hangout or something and me and Alex get together to do a live event for y'all to come and check out. Um, and if you have ideas for what you want to see us do, let us know. And if it's something that we think 
we can do, we certainly will. Um, Cause as y'all know, like we do other projects. Um, JP does like nine different podcasts. Uh, I do one other. Uh, Alex does one other until it ends in October. And then I cry. Uh, probably, I will probably cry just as much over that as I will when Steve leaves married with children. <laughs> uh, so, so Alex will actually end up having more time because he, because Alex actually wants to dedicate most of his time to married with children podcast. Uh, well for his, his hobby time, right. so to speak. I want this to be my focus. Like my all attention goes here. He's not quitting his job or leaving his wife or anything. <laughs> um, so we can do other stuff like that. We can, if you have ideas, let us know. Um, and, and just be patient as we get the Patreon rolling. Um, by the time this episode comes out, there will at least be that commentary tier up and as and a maybe another tier, something like that. Um, and we'll use the money to buy Tang and uh, Ed O'Neill movies. Um, and honestly, uh, things to keep uh, Alex focused on editing and making more episodes because... Alex, like, just quickly, tell us how long it takes you, like, and in a little bit of detail, to actually edit a Married with Children podcast. Well, here's the one thing I did want to actually say. Like, for the people who are going to, like, what's the minimum they could donate a month? A dollar. Um, and, the like, the dollar would just be like, hey, here's a dollar. Right. Go get some juicy fruit on me. Thank you. Right. It's a thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a nice pat on the back, and we appreciate it. Yeah. Now, listen, I was thinking tier tier one, you know, the dollar thing. If you guys want to donate one to five dollars a month or whatever, like let's just say one to five or one to three, whatever you want, whatever you can do. If you do that, basically that tier is basically just you contributing to the show in general because you realize what goes into this. Now, think about this. You're getting a weekly show. Every single week a podcast is released, which is absolutely unheard of. I know it sounds like a normal thing, but it's really not. So think about this. About, let's just say this one episode. I'm going to Sweatland episode. Uh, It takes about two hours to do all the research if you watch documentaries like i did it could take up to five hours to do it uh listening to that music uh some of it took time a lot of it i was doing during other stuff uh watching the episode is like 30 minutes taking notes while you're watching it that can make it longer it could go up to 45 or an hour so now we're already up to like seven hours already put into this show then recording it is about 90 minutes so that's you know now we're into like the 10 hour thing then uh producing it takes three to four hours you know editing it down getting all the good stuff to you guys adding all the clips pulling the clips from the show takes 30 minutes alone and 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 no actually pulling it then you have to search other ones out it could take longer just to pull clips then you have to get them all into files and name them all then you got to get them into a certain folder so when you produce it you know how to drag them down and put them into the spots you want and that whole process takes like four to five hours so now you're talking this show this one single episode you heard is roughly 15 to 20 hours put into it 
And, and to be fair, it's only that long for Alex because he has to do the editing. Right. Um, because I, I can't edit like Alex can edit. Like you, like I listen to the Married with Children podcast because I like to just hear one what he puts in, and two what he takes out because um, there, there's stuff that is edited out because it just it was a joke that didn't work or we said something wrong and had to redo it. Right. All, all the stuff like that. Like there, there's a lot inside. So like Alex himself adds like five to six hours of of work just in production after after we've recorded that he has another five six i don't have to do that i get to go on my merry way he has to keep doing that me and me and jp just get to go and like and for me i i just have the early stuff i'm watching the episode i'm taking notes i'm doing research and, and then recording so like for me like one episode probably takes doing research and uh, all that and like don't get me wrong we do this for free because we we like to do it it's very enjoyable for us but, but we'd appreciate any little donation like it's just we thank you for that that's all yeah I, I i believe in supporting an artist it's why i i go to movies it's why i i support podcasts on patreon jp i support his his show on patreon right uh his his main podcast 22 shots i'm a i'm a supporter on that I was their first Patreon supporter. I believe in supporting people that are creating. Yes, they can do it for free. But I, I, I do feel like if you're going to do something and you want to say, hey, I'm not demanding it, but if you want to give me some money, I'll give you some extra content. I see nothing wrong with that. If you have a problem with us doing that, I'm sorry. You're still getting the main show. It's not like we're taking anything away from you. We're just going to offer some extra content to those who like the show enough to go, you know what? I want to buy uh, Al a beer. And they can. Pretty much. Like, it's basically like having a donate button in the old, you know, like a PayPal donate button. That's all it is. You know, you're still getting the show. You're still getting everything for free. You're just saying, you know what, guys? I really appreciate the hard work you do. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll donate, you know, 2 $3 a month. I don't care. That's fine. I think it's worth it. And we can do special things for you. Do you want to see Alex review that comic book series? We can make that happen. Yeah, I, I got all the seven comic books of Marrow Children. We we might get together and one tier might be uh, some kind of special project will come out once a month. Like you'll have the commentary, which will be a different tier. And then there will be a, another tier that is special project. One month that could be Alex reviewing the comic book series. The next one could be me talking for 30 minutes about how great Steve is. You don't know. Yeah. You know, or it, could, it could be us eating a Tang sandwich. I think they'll pay you not to do that. You, you can pay me to stay on the show after Steve leaves is what you can do. <laughs> uh, but we're open ideas. You think there's something funny we should do? Let us know. Do you want us to talk about uh, Tang wipe? The Tang Wipe, do you want us to talk about the the Hondo? Do you want us to talk about the reality of what happens when a family tries to jump off a building together? <laughs> yeah, we'll get into uh, We'll get examples of other people who've tried this, and we'll tell you how that really panned out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just want to hit that Patreon. I know this has already been a long episode, guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you uh, if you want to donate to the Patreon. And even if you don't want to donate to the Patreon, thank you for retweeting us, uh, hanging out with us in the Facebook group, uh, liking liking the stuff we're doing, sharing it to your friends, talking about it. Shout out to Australia 
because Married with Children is so huge in Australia, and I would have never have known that had we had not started this podcast. Yeah. So, guys, tune in next week as we review Poke High. I'll tell you now, Kelly just didn't know that it was Polk. <laughs> she thought it was Poke. Uh, that's where they got that name from. A young football player named Matt from Polk High, where Kelly and Bud go to school, is threatening two Bundy records. One held by Al for the most touchdowns in one season, and the other by Kelly for refusing her advances. So, Kelly resorts to becoming a cheerleader for Polk's team in order to catch Matt's attention during a big season-ending game. I am already excited for this episode. I, I have not seen this episode, and I've heard about it, and I've specifically been waiting to get that first watch in for the podcast. I, I cannot wait to watch this. Yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next week. And uh, Elvis, you want to give any parting words? Oh, God. Can you take the, the fried chicken out of your mouth, dude? I mean, come on. <laughs> I know you haven't performed in like 50 years, but you are a professional, aren't you? Oh, all right. So, oh, my God. Some people are so uptight. You got to become a, a country folk like me. All right, Elvis. Just say something without quoting any of your songs or whatever. Just say goodbye to everybody. Well, guys, I just want to say to all listeners out there, I think these boys did a fine job reviewing my episode, and uh, when I listen to the Marrow Children podcast, I can't help falling in love. All right, I told you not to do that. (laughs) 